Welcome to the Making It Podcast. I'm your host, Kyler Miles, and on this show, we interview guests about their journey of making their dreams a reality. Welcome to the Making It Podcast, where I talk about people's stories of them in the process of making their dreams a reality. As cheesy as may sound, I laugh every time I say it, but it's, it's the truth. And I have with me Armando Cruz. He is a speaker, best-selling author, leader, entrepreneur, and you're calling from Miami, Florida. Is that right? That's correct. Beautiful, sunny Miami, Florida. I wish I was there, you know, just so I can get some sun because Montreal is still very cold. We're maybe like five degrees, so it's wow. getting warmer. Okay. But how are you doing, man? How's the uh, quarantine life? <laughs> the quarantine life is is as expected uh i will say it's got its challenges it's opened up some fascinating uh, opportunities and uh but i would say that the biggest thing that we're we're juggling right now is having three kids at home plus running two businesses and trying to figure all that out <laughs> I, you know i have a 10 year old and and already homeschooling her is tough between my girlfriend and i it's like I, three kids and two businesses i, I don't know how you do it <laughs> yeah well i guess yeah. you you figure it out you figure exactly it out. right awesome well uh what i try to do on this podcast is like i said in the intro is really just talk about people's stories and this began you know the podcast journey with me talking to people about my creative process my creative journey coming from a nine to five kind of desk job as a salesman and finding my, my passion in videography and filmmaking and and kind of creating content and been sharing that story. And now that um, we're quarantined, I'm reaching out to different people like yourself and, and trying to understand other people's stories. And there's a lots of ups and downs and challenges that I feel a lot of people face. And sharing these stories can be very helpful on how they came and I guess the, the steps they took to make their dream a reality. And so, yeah, I'd love to hear more about your story and, and maybe give us a, a little introduction of yourself and, and start us off there. Sure. Thank you for, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm glad we could do this. Uh, it's one of the beauties of technology, mm -hmm. uh, though I think by the end of this quarantine, there's going to be a lot of people that want to throw Zoom out the door and out the window, but uh, yeah. it's, it's still a wonderful medium to, to connect. I mean, you're in, uh, you said Vancouver or Montreal? I, yeah, originally from Vancouver, BC, moved to Montreal last year um, right. for my family. And uh, but yeah, in in Canada, it's it's cold, right. but uh, it's, it's cold. Warm. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Cold. Um, you know, all the way opposite end, uh, sunny South Florida, and we can have these conversations. So uh, again, thank you for having me and, and hosting me. Anytime. So, uh, let's see a little bit of background. I like to say I'm a connoisseur of experiences. A to me, experiences, uh, I use it in the frame of reference of adventures. Uh, they create currency for, for success for me. Mm. Um, and the more experiences, more adventures that I can do both with myself, but with my family, especially with my kids, I feel like that adds another dimension as to uh, the impact that I can have on their life, the legacy. Mm. And uh, just, I've been married for, it's going to be 14 years this year uh, in December. Congrats. I've, 
three kids. Thank you. I have three kids. Uh, we, my wife and I run two businesses mm. and we've been doing that for, so we're going to be married for 14. We've been doing it for 13, I think it is 13. Oh, wow. So <clears throat> we've been doing it together for 13. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I, I, you know, you, you said at the beginning that it sounds or it feels kind of cheesy when you say like the process of making it. I, I think if you've been intentional about it mm-hmm. and you're, you're in a place where you're actively trying to create this, mm-hmm. it sounds less cheesy because it's your experience every day. Mm-hmm. And, and I bring that up because anyone listening to this, I imagine has that, as part of their radar Mm. at the very least, just by listening to the show that, wait, there is a process Mm -hmm. and that process isn't all sunshine and roses all the time. There are the ups and downs. And I like to say the ups and downs are equivalent to an EKG. You want ups and downs. That means life. You do not want a flat line. That means death. (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) That's how you know you're heading in that way. Right. So, I like that uh, analogy. <laughs> right. I, I don't know where you want to take this, but I mean, essentially, mm-hmm. as far as a, a background, that's kind of where I'm at as far as a, a, a groundwork for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to know, you know, you have this book, I was looking at the legacy code. And the thing that really stuck out to me was that is something that um, I only learned if, fairly recently in my 20s that I want to do more than just live my life. I want to have a legacy for when I'm gone. You know, you start thinking about your future. Um, I have a family. I have a a young 10-year-old, a stepdaughter, and I'm thinking about her future. And it's changing my mindset. It's changing what I care about. And I know a lot of people in my network are feeling that same way when you reach We're all in a similar age. So you reach a certain point where you start shifting gears and you focus less on the, I just want to have fun and go out and more about building your life and having meaningful and, and purpose. And so the legacy code, just in my quick little research is, is that you're building a system or a process in place to make leave something behind for the people you love. Whether that be Kyler always put a smile on my face, could be as simple as that, or as big as you want to be, you know, the mayor of your city, or you want to leave like financial security for your family, whatever that might be is for everyone to decide. But I love to understand more about how you came about writing this book. Why, you know, why was this the, I guess the, topic of it and what fueled you to make that because that's what I really connected with and when I was looking and doing my research on you and um and why I wanted you on the show so uh, sure. yeah we could maybe start there if that makes sense okay the the genesis for the book actually stems back maybe 7 years ago and have you ever felt in your life where you've gotten to a point where you say you're, you're almost chasing something. You're trying to achieve all these things, these accolades, these, Mm. this, this ideal of "Ah, this is success. This is what Mm -hmm. I want. And when you get there, the, the, the feeling is, is that all there is? And that's kind of where I was at. Mm -hmm. And I felt trapped 
by the very thing that I created to make me successful, which was a really hard concept because from the outside, it felt, you know, I have a healthy family. You know, my wife and I have been married for, you know, for well, that time it wasn't 14, but mm-hmm. uh, let's say seven years, eight years. And I'm healthy. We, we have a thriving business that's helping mm-hmm. people. My wife and I have a, a fitness and physical therapy uh, studio and practice down here in South Florida, where we focus on people with chronic pain, helping to educate, helping them to understand and eliminate chronic pain. Mm. And we've been doing this, love our clients, but somehow I felt like there was something more. Mm. And I felt trapped by the current um, setup and the, the, the certain system that we had in the business. And I thought the problem was the business. I was like, I want to do something deeper, but I can't because of the business. And so I fell into this dark place to the point where I almost bankrupted the business. My wife is pregnant with her third child at the time. And I am pushing clients away. I'm coming home and sleeping, you know, four, six hours in the middle of the day. I have no desire to do anything. I just feel lost. I feel Mm. trapped. I feel overwhelmed. And I don't know what to do. Mm. And I remember the concern on my wife's face for obvious reasons, because things just kept getting worse and worse. I would isolate myself from my family. I just... I had no desire to be around anyone. Mm. And I remember around that time, one of the coaches that I had worked with in the past reached out to me and he invited me to a retreat in Thailand. But there were two problems with this. Problem number one was, like I said, I'm pretty much bankrupting the business because I've stopped everything. Mm. And so I can't afford it. And number two, the retreat finishes a week before the due date which means this is the third. There's a good chance that I could miss the birth of my third, of my third born. And I remember coming to my wife and telling her about it. And she looked at me and said, you know, do you think this can help? And I said, yeah, Uh, I, I really think that this could be really helpful for me. And I remember this moment like in slow motion, because to me, I, I describe it as a, a moment of immense courage and love that I've experienced from her and I remember her saying well then you need to do it not for you but for us she goes because I would rather you miss the that one day the birth of our child than miss the rest of our life because you're not the man the husband or the father Hmm. I know you can be right and that when I heard that was crushing crushing Hmm. because it, it was like a mirror saying you are like letting everyone down. And it wasn't Mm. that she was trying to say, oh, you're letting us down, but it's because she saw the potential. She's like, Mm -hmm. this is not you, but I don't know how to help you anymore. And if Mm -hmm. you feel like this is it, it's worth it, even if it means missing the birth Mm. of our third child. So we figured it out. I flew to Thailand, Mm -hmm. which is a 24-hour endeavor from here. Mm. It's like door to door. By the time I got there, it was about 24 hours. Wow. And there I saw something really powerful that I had never really experienced. 
and it was the power of retreat. Now we've heard of the word retreats many times and we, we kind of, we, we get, Oh, this is what you do. You go on a retreat. But if you look in the dictionary about what a retreat is, is actually stepping away from your regular life to gain perspective. It's hmm. physically moving yourself from one location to another one. And just by the physical act and by doing certain things that allow you to reflect a little bit more, you have a completely van a completely different vantage point from before. It's kind of like if you looked at a cylinder from the side, it would look like a rectangle. If you looked at it from the top, it would look from a it would look like a circle. Mm. But if you start looking all the way around, you can now see that it's a cylinder. It's neither one, but kind of a fusion of it. And I felt like stepping away provided the different angles to look at my life at that moment gave me the clarity to realize that number one, there was nothing wrong with the business. It was very fulfilling. It was the stuff that I wanted to be doing. And then on top of that, that I realized that there was something more that I wanted to do, hmm. which is I wanted to help men just like me, married men that are family centric, that are entrepreneurs that want to show powerfully in their marriage, in their health, in their business, hmm. um, with a family-centric, not profit-centric, decision-making uh, mode of operation, right? Because there are plenty of men that are successful, if you want to call it that, that it's like, okay, if, it's, if it means making even more money, right? There's a point where like, you got everything covered. Mm-hmm. Anything more really is, is at that point, it, it's, a, it's ego at the end of the day. Right, because if you've got all your needs met, then Mm -hmm. more is not gonna necessarily make everything better. Mm -hmm. But those moments that you miss, you never get those back, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, those were the kinds of conversations that I wanted to be having with other men just like me. Mm -hmm. And I realized that there's a process to minimize a lot of this disconnect that we see. Uh, amongst married entrepreneurs that have higher uh, divorce rates, have um, that higher disconnect with their health in many cases. They have estranged relationships with their family because they become so obsessed with the entrepreneurial aspect Mm -hmm. that they leave the other stuff behind, right? Mm -hmm. So I realized that I wanted to help married men just like myself and so I created a, a, the program that I wish I would have had that walked them through the cornerstone, the foundations to be able to build from, from the things that matter most, like values and beliefs and building up to how do you set up your life so that you reinforce the things that matter most. And so that, that program is called the Rich Man Experience. And, you know, we always talk about, you know, people talk about rich as money, mm-hmm. but rich really was redefined uh, as a value system, as a compass sort of to guide you along the way. And so it stands for respected, inspired, connected, and happy. And so that was the redefinition of rich. And what I, what I realized is that when I came back, I was able to now start reaching out to these kind of men and start serving them in a different capacity. Mm. 
I came back and three days later the baby was born. So I didn't miss the birth, which was great. That's and then um, I, I had been doing that work for a couple of years. And I decided, you know what, the work that we're doing in here, that mm. process, I'd like to be able to share it with more people mm. that perhaps number one, can't afford coaching. Number two, um, they're not ready for it emotionally mm. at that moment because there is a commitment to it. And if you're not willing to commit to it, then at the very least have exposure to it. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to write this book as if I am writing this out to, to my family, to, I'm sorry, not to my family, to my clients at that point. And actually on a deeper level, probably to my son, hmm. right? My, my oldest, cause he was obviously the oldest and one I had interacted the most with specifically to him as a man so that if something were to happen to me here's here's a, a a guide to what it could mean to living your life purposely and creating that intentional legacy hmm. wow that's such a like that's such a cool story and I find that relates to so many different people and in, in many ways like when you're speaking about those challenges like I was thinking about how moving from Vancouver for myself to Montreal, people kind of looked at me funny. Like, why would you, why would you do this? And, and the, what I wanted for myself was beyond what, you know, what people perceived me as, because when I was growing up, a lot of times you, you know, you grow up as, you know, if you make a mistake in school or whatever, and, and people laugh, oh, I better not do that. I want to be liked. I want to be looked upon. And so you then grow up and go through life that way. Go through life like, okay, I have to get this job so that I get a good pay and that I looked I, I look good in front of others. And then what you were talking about was that you had that conversation with your wife about that like being a real man and, and doing what you need to do for, for what's important to you, which was your family and your business and, and ended up benefiting you so, so well. And so, and I love that you did what you wanted to do and, and you've discovered a way to help not only yourself, but other people um, find their way. And I, I find that just yeah. so interesting, especially as a young man, you know, I'm not married yet, but you know, one day soon, uh, maybe <laughs> after this coronavirus, uh, you know, look forward to having those conversations. And I love the relationship you have with your wife. That's, that's a hard conversation to have. Um, right. I know my girlfriend and I have been trying to have this open communication and be more, um, really get in depth into our emotions because I grew up not expressing any emotion, you know, I had to be tough. Can't cry. Got to be a tough guy. So yeah. I, I love that you, you dig deep into that right uh, and and you know like i said we're, we're going to be married 14 years and it there's been there's been a lot of bumps in the road like w a big part of it is not the bumps in the road come with the lack of clarity as to how to properly communicate and over the past 14 years we've been intentional about learning how to master that communication for each other like mm. she knows what i need more I know what she needs more. And so we try to align ourselves with that the best that we can. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always work, 
and you know there's conflict and then we're like oh okay that's why there's conflict let's reassess and so we've both been very willing to explore that because for us it was like no no marriage is for life so either we figure this out or we're going to keep bashing our head against the wall because 100 percent, you know so i and i think like with anything when you have a commitment to figuring something out it makes a big difference and yeah uh, it's not easy relationships Mm. are not easy because (laughs) it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a very like you're dependent on someone else that you don't have control over mm-hmm. right because it's not just you I, I hear a lot of the loud voices especially in the entrepreneurial space mm-hmm. that number one they're single it's a different world if you're single mm-hmm. you you can you can do things quite different than if you're married or if you mm-hmm. have kids because mm-hmm. if you're married and, or you have kids your life is not just your life anymore mm-hmm. you have responsibilities mm-hmm. you've made a choice to be in a relationship with someone. So just because you want to do something doesn't mean you just get to do it because it affects other people. Yeah. If you have kids. You know, I would take completely different risk if I was single and I didn't have kids if I, if I wasn't married. Mm-hmm. Because I could, I could live in a tent if I lost yeah. it all. Yeah, it's true. You know? 100%. And, and we, uh, by the way, we love camping. But one mm-hmm. thing is we're going camping. The other one is, no, this is our situation. This is how we're living. I don't want to, that's not where I want to put my family in. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference. Honor yeah. the stage of life that you're in. Mm-hmm. You mentioned at the beginning in your 20s that you 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 know you were interested in more partying and all that stuff. Yeah. And that's fine. When I when I wrote the book, mm-hmm. I interviewed 150. I think it was 153 guys mm-hmm. uh, from different range, different areas of their life. And what I found was the people, the men that thought about legacy the most were fathers first Mm. second in that group of people that thought about it were people who were let's call it religious that believed in something greater than themselves god Mm -hmm. like a a higher power right so the the world didn't revolve around them there was something greater so Mm -hmm. you know i have to step up my game in order to step up to that Mm -hmm. the ones that thought about it the least were like the college students because number one they had perceived invincibility and time on their side and at that point the world revolved around them because they could only see right there yeah and i i don't share that because one is better or worse it's just it's a different stage so and that's one of the things that i see often is i get invited into these these shows and sometimes i mean i've been recently i've 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 gone on two or three podcasts of high school students. And I'm like, dude, that's so awesome. Mm-hmm. But I see them trying to be like 40 year olds. I'm like, wait, 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 you're not 40. Mm-hmm. Be, be 18, be mm-hmm. 16. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Like yeah. each, each stage of your life has a wealth of knowledge that is going to bring you when you're 40. But if you start acting like you're 40 when you're 16, yeah. you're going to miss a lot and mm-hmm. you're going to have gaping holes because you're acting like a 40 year old when you're 16. Yeah. I, again, I, I think it comes to like, you know, I, I'm learning a lot about myself in these last couple like years. Like I, I'm a new father, like the, 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 um, I'm a stepfather. 
So I, I came in, she's 10 years old and very new. You know, I, I love kids. I have a little sister and we have a big age apart. So I kind of feel like I was a big part of her life growing up. And I, I always gravitated with kids and volunteer, what have you. So I, I had no problem with that. But yeah, it's true. Like, I think it's perspective. You know, people don't have other people's perspective. When you are, you've been married for 14 years, that's a perspective I don't know. That's a perspective now you're sharing and now I can see, you know, into that life and see into, okay, what is that like? And that's what I love about these podcasts. You, you get so many different perspectives and you can learn from different people and you're, you're completely right. Like, you know, me jumping into this, I have a new perspective in my life. I'm steering my direction in a different way because of the responsibilities and also because I want that. Right. right. So it's, I love that. Going back to what you're talking about, the process, whether you're single or not, do you have any tips or uh, let's say go through that process for someone who may have been laid off? Because let's be honest, a lot of people during this time um, either are being laid off and not working and and might be in that depression uh, state that you were talking about, uh, feeling down and and not working. And we've all been there, right? Do you have any suggestions for men and women who are going through that process and either have that conversation with their loved ones or how to have that conversation with themselves? Right. I think that's, that's a really good and useful um, topic to touch on as people you know, across the world may be feeling that, right? right. I don't know if you agree. Yeah, no, uh, you're, gonna, you're definitely going to be seeing a lot more of this. Uh, uh, it's still early. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's already some people experiencing the effects of this. I, I think it's still too early for it to go deep. I'm good. I'm going to, uh, unfortunately I see this getting worse before it gets better long term. Yeah. So economically there's going to be a, 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 a lag. There's mm-hmm. going to be a big lag and th- you're going to have, you're going to be faced with some really, uncomfortable truths mm-hmm. that that you're the difficulty of it is what's going to really suck mm. but if you consider look we always have we don't have control of everything that happens in our life mm-hmm. but we can have control of the way we choose to view it the way that we respond to it Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite books, uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Uh, have you ever, have you read it or have you heard of it? I, I've heard of it. I haven't read it, unfortunately, but okay. it's funny. You're the second person to mention that book. So I better, uh, better grab it. <laughs> right. It's a, it's a, it's a fascinating book about this. Uh, I think he's a psychiatrist, Viktor Frankl, mm-hmm. that was in the concentration camps. And he mm-hmm. basically, the, 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 inter- the, the fascinating part about it is that because he's a, he understood the psychology of what was happening, he could see the stages that the people would be going through. And he knew, hey, the people that were going to die soon because they've given up hope, uh, they, they wouldn't make it, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things that he says, you know, sometimes there'll be guys that in their mind said, oh, this will be over by Christmas. And then Christmas will come and go. And they really mentally hadn't prepared for that. And then not long after they would pass away and die because that was it. 
right? Mm-hmm. And so he kind of goes into this idea of um, searching for meaning mm. in the environment that you're in. Mm. You don't always have control of that environment. Uh, uh, us being in North America, we tend to have a lot more control mm-hmm. because we do, we are afforded a lot more freedoms so that there is so much for us to, to be, to, to create, to be able to control. But you have something like this that affects everyone, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, what, if you're finding yourself in a place where you're kind of in the darkness, one of the things that is often shared, which I think is a big mistake, and I think often it comes, I know very often it comes from a good place, but a very unskilled place. And that is just do it. Mm. It's nice for a sneaker company. It's nice as a, as a concept to get you moving. Mm. But when you're in the dark, when you're struggling, mm. telling somebody just do it really offers no help. Because if they could just do it, they would have done it, right? If you're suffering and you're really in a bad and dark place, if I say to you, hey, Kyler, just do it, man. Just get, get yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, crap. Don't you think I would have been doing that if I could? Like, I, I just don't know how. It's mm-hmm. a very unskilled way of approaching it. Mm-hmm. What needs to happen is you need clarity, right? If you walked into a dark room and say, Kyler, just confidently stroll across that room. <laughs> Can't gonna do happen. It. <laughs> Can't do it, right? You're yeah. going to be hesitant. You're going to be feeling around. You're going to take small shuffling steps just to make sure you don't smash into a wall, trip over something. You just don't mm-hmm. want to get hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Take that same room and I turn on the lights as a color, walk across the room comfortably. You can see the obstacles. Mm-hmm. You can walk across the room confidently. Mm-hmm. The difference between the room hasn't changed. All that's changed is clarity. Same Mm. thing happens with us moving forward. Very often, uh, if you're finding yourself in literally that darkness, Mm. we need to go through finding a little bit more clarity. And that can come Mm. through several different different ways. Number one, taking a step back and gaining more clarity on what it is that you want, right? Because you can't move in the, in the proper direction if you don't even know where your destination is, right? When I, in the book, mm-hmm. in the book, I go through five steps. The first one is, is vision, right? You have to see what the bigger picture is. You have to gain clarity. That may mean you need to borrow somebody else's light. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is imagine the sun and the moon. You know that the sun has its own light source and it lights up the day the moon doesn't have a light source it's a reflection off the sun mm-hmm. and so what we'll find is that sometimes we're the moon sometimes we're the light sometimes we need somebody else's light to help shine the light in front of ourselves so we can see what needs to happen mm. other times we're clear and we are the sun shining our light brightly mm. and we can also be that reflection for other people we we, we play both of those roles Mm -hmm. and it can by the way it can change in a split second 
it's not like, oh, I'm good here. There's nothing that can knock me off. At the same time, just because you're in the darkness right now doesn't mean you're going to stay there. It just mm -hmm. seems that way. It just mm -hmm. seems that way, right? So we got to get clear on uh, your the vision, of the, the, gain the clarity of the big picture. Then from there is, okay, well, what's my driver? What's my engine? What's that purpose? So the second, second stage is get clear on what's that thing that's going to drive me even when things get bad. So what are those things that really matter most to me that I'm not willing to sacrifice? A lot of times it's family. If you have a family, it's like, look, I can't let them down. I have to provide for them. I have to protect them. I have to, you know, make sure that they're taken care of. Hmm. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's the vision of something more. Maybe it's your after uh, initially an accolade of some sort. Maybe hmm. that's the thing that drives you for a bit, right? And it can be for specific things, different, different things, right? Like, it, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, but this isn't, uh, let's say, wholesome enough, right? Like, let's say, oh, I want to get, sometimes the people, people are like, oh, I know that I should get healthy for my family, but that just doesn't do it. But they're like, but I, w I really want a six pack. Okay, great. Let, let the vanity of that drive you initially mm -hmm. and then let the health take over. Right. So mm -hmm. understanding, getting a clearer picture overall, having a purpose, that engine that drives you. Now we have to understand the process. Right. So what's the blueprint? Reverse engineer. What are the steps that need to be taken to um, end up in that final destination, in that, vis that vision? And I say by not final destination. At that initial destination, right? Because your goal, uh, what you yeah. want, right? Right, right, right. I, I think um, who was the? One? I think it was Newton that said, you know, if I've seen so far, it's because I've stood on the shoulders of giants, mm. right? And if you've ever, if you've ever gone hiking, I mean, you're you're there in Canada. They've got <laughs> gorgeous mountains, mm -hmm. right? But if you've ever gone hiking up a mountain, initially, what you see is if you could even see the summit of the mountain, depending on where you are, mm -hmm. you can only see so far and maybe you clear the tree line and now you can see even further. You, now you can see the summit and then you get to the summit and what used to be the summit, all of a sudden you look across and you have a panoramic view and now you're like, wait, but there's something over there that's worth, that's worth exploring. Mm -hmm. Right? So I, I don't say final destination, but it's a destination that once you get there, provides a different platform, a different perspective for you to view the world, to make a decision what your next move is, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, and, and I share that because sometimes what stops us from creating the vision is feeling like, is this the right vision or the wrong one? Mm. Don't worry about it. Get moving towards it. Mm -hmm. And on the way, if you need a course correct, you're free to do so. Nothing mm -hmm. says that you can't, mm -hmm. Right. So you have your vision, you have your purpose, you have your process, the steps that need to be in place. Now let's look at the, the taking action, right? You need to, to, to have taken action or implement all of this because you can set up everything that you want. Mm. But if you don't take action on it, nothing's going to move forward, right? Yeah. So perhaps enlisting the help of some as a coach 
uh, a trusted advisor, a mentor, a therapist, uh, whatever it is to help you get going and walk you along this path. Maybe you need some of their light to shine there so you gain a little bit more clarity. Don't be afraid of that. In fact, it's the fast track. You get to borrow somebody else's brain. Actually, you want, can you mind if I share a little, a little, um, some science behind this a little bit? Heck yeah, go ahead. Okay. When, when you sit down and you've, uh, you ever written down uh, New Year's resolutions? Every year. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. So think about when you sit down to write New Year's resolution. Are you in a dark place? Like not physically in the room is dark, but like are you mm-hmm. in a bad place? Rarely. Rarely. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, at times, sure, but rarely, no. Right. But to the point where you're really like suffering that you're like, oh, I can, I, I'm barely, I can barely find enough money to eat. I can, you know, like that you're really in a survival state. It doesn't happen that way because you, if you're in a survival place, you can't see beyond survival. Mm -hmm. It's one of the reasons why nomadic people, Mm -hmm. they don't thrive to the same degree as people in community that build up societies. That's where a lot of innovation happens because there's room for innovation because you can start thriving and creating systems to support the community. Whereas if you're uh, nomadic, it's like, it's just enough to sustain our life. And then you move on to the next place that is going to sustain your life. A lot of people work paycheck to paycheck. They live a nomadic life. So there's no room for them to think beyond that Mm. because they're just worried about the next meal. They're worried about that. Mm -hmm. And you need to address that because if you don't have that, if you, if you don't provide for the bare minimum, mm-hmm. then your brain can't think beyond that. And so there's three brains. We have three brains. Our most primary brain is what's called our reptilian brain. It's responsible for us, keeping us alive, mm-hmm. you know, water, food, shelter, uh, um, reproduction, right? You want to make sure that you pass down your genes. All of that stuff is at a very primal level. If you think about um, a, a snake, when a snake is born, it doesn't hang around with mom and cuddle with mom. It's like, no, snake is born and it's off on its own right from the beginning. It's already programmed that it needs to eat, breathe, sleep, find shelter, find safety. That's what it needs to do. Like it's already programmed in there. That's what that brain allows us to do. It, 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 it lets us know that these are the things that, that on the most minimal level matter most because if we're not around, if we're dead, then we can't continue. Mm-hmm. Then going up in brain, a little bit more developed, a little bit newer than the reptilian brain is what's called the mammalian brain. And if you think about a wolf or a fox, they live in tribes and in, in packs, right? Mammals are dependent on their mother specifically or their, their, their family unit to survive. Like if you have a human baby and you leave it out in the wild, baby's going to die because mm-hmm. the baby has no way of procuring food, shelter, um, staying safe. It's very vulnerable for, for us is for, for quite a few years for mm-hmm. animals ends up being a lot less that, that time span. But for us, it's what the 16 years before, you know, 
hey, 16, mm-hmm. 18 years, 20 years, depending on where it is, 30 years uh, <laughs> before they leave the nest kind of thing, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and that's part of that brain, which is community. Remember that we are, we are mammals, mm-hmm. and so we thrive in community. Are there people that are the lone wolves, so to speak? Sure. Mm. But as a, as a species, we thrive with community. We thrive with other people. Now, from a primal perspective, if somebody in the group looks at you off or wants to get rid of you, that now triggers a more reptilian response. Like if you've ever been in a group and somebody looks at you weird and you're like, I don't know why, but I'm getting a little bit like, I don't, I don't trust that guy. Why? Because our brain is saying, wait, if we're in a group dynamic and that guy is able to convince everyone else that I don't belong in this, I'm now not safe because I don't have my tribe. I don't have that support of the crew. So that's designed to keep a family unit, a tribal unit. It's also designed to help with hierarchy. So understanding, oh, look, this guy's in charge, then this one, then this one, then this one, then this one. This is where I fall in the hierarchy of this. Hmm. That's what that brain is. And then we have our human brain, our neocortex, which is where we can do all the adding, the creating, and even more importantly, self-actualization, which is the thinking forward, creating and looking at the vision. I bring this all up because if you're in such a dark place that you're in a reptilian brain, you don't have access to your human brain. Mm. You cannot create. Think about like when you're, if you've ever been in a really dark place, Mm-hmm. It's not the time that you're creating your your best work. No. You can't you can't create, you can't think as clearly. You're just getting by. Mm-hmm. So I I I share that because if you're listening to this and you find yourself in that dark place, one of the benefits of having somebody from the outside that you trust, whether it's a coach, a therapist, a colleague, a a good friend that can guide you is that you can borrow their human brain for, for, for a while so that it kind of moves you along. Mm. They can help you see what you cannot see right now because they have a light that you don't. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. I, I love like the science man that I never really understood that, but I, when you made those analogies, it made sense. Like I've been in a place where, yeah, like not so much survival. Like I, I never had food in front of me, but in in the context, yes. Like you can't think beyond the next day. I find even like I was only living in that moment. How can I get through right now? Right. And, and you are hundred percent, you can't think about your five, 10 year plan. You're, you're going to be thinking about that moment and moving all the way up to that creative brain. Like, I, like it, it's so cool, the science behind it. And it's hard for me to repeat it, yeah. <laughs> but I understand it. I understand what you mean about the three different brains and all their different priorities and how to get to that state. And, and I love, like I was writing it down, um, the kind of processes that you've, put in the book, the clarity, what's your big vision, the driver, what's going to make you actually like go out and do it. What's the process. So the steps you take to become X, Y, Z and the action, the execution. And what do you think about, and I wrote this down about accountability, discipline, like routines, because I love what you said, you know, you could, 
um, share someone else's vision. You know, if, if you are within a company, that's what a company is. It's a shared vision throughout the company. You believe in that vision and that's what gives you, you can have clarity with that vision. You can be dry, uh, driven for that and, and have action. Um, where do you think, if you believe in this, accountability and discipline fall under these areas? Because at least from my personal experience, when I was tasting the waters and things I wanted to do, uh, for a living, you know, I just try. I, I tried uh, dance. I tried sales. I tried um, different forms of uh, like business, like project management and and admins. And, I, and I've done that. And to because I had no idea. And so the advice I was given was go out and try. And when I was out and doing these things, I had no real discipline, no real accountability to even accomplish some easy tasks. Do you think that falls in anywhere within your process, accountability and discipline and, and achieving these things? A hundred percent. I, that's actually what I'm writing my second book on. <laughs> Perfect. It's actually my, it's uh, micro habits really is what it is. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> two things that kind of pop up. Number one, when you're trying to figure what you want, if you're finding difficulty with knowing what you want, mm -hmm. go with, start searching for what you don't want. Hmm. In other words, you don't know what it is that you want yet. Mm -hmm. So try something mm -hmm. and experience it. Let me give you an example. When I grew, when I was growing up, uh, I had chores and I had, and I did different jobs growing up. One of my chores was taking out the trash from early on. I hated it. <laughs> and in it's, the back of my mind, right in the back yeah. of my mind, I was like, you know, I know for certain I have no desire to be a trash man. Mm -hmm. Like I just don't want to do it. I had to take it out of my household like every week. And it was like, or multiple times a week cause we're a big family. And it was like, you know, Definitely not for me. Mm -hmm. I had to mow the lawn. I quickly realized I like being outside. I just don't have a desire to be a lawn maintenance person. Mm -hmm. I can do it. It's a skill set. By the way, it's still a skill set that I possess. Mm -hmm. But if I'm making a choice, it's not the one that I want. Mm -hmm. My like you can be good at something, but right. it doesn't mean you want to do it. Right, exactly. And that's this next part. My dad has had a, a construction company and uh, it's sunny and humid here, very humid uh, in the summers and there's mosquitoes, which is when I would go to work with him. And we would be at the job site at 6 a.m., the latest. And this is like we would go and we would train in the morning and then go and be at the job site by 6 in the morning. Wow. And this was rough work. You had to dig trenches uh, my dad had this thing that he wanted the job site impeccable. So, uh, I was constantly sweeping the job site, uh, stacking wood, taking trash, throwing it out. Like there was nothing like it was an impeccable job site. And I realized I know how to do this. In fact, I can go and be a foreman in any, in any like residential job site. I could do that right now, but I have no desire. Mm. It's a skill set that I have. I built a certain work ethic, getting up early, doing the hard labor, so I can do it. Mm 
But I knew that I didn't want, like, that's, I, I felt like that's not what I was put on this earth to do. Mm-hmm. When I started working with people in the performance perspective, because that's what I thought I was going to be when I started, I thought I was going to be a performance coach. I started realizing, wow, this is amazing. I could do this. And then I realized, wait, but there's more to this. Mm-hmm. Not just a training component, but there's a nutrition component. Oh, let me learn more about that. Mm. And I realized, wait, it's not one or the other. It's a combination because we're not a machine. We're like, all of this is intertwined. And then I realized, wait, uh, we get injured when we're trying to push the limits. Mm. And a lot of times, how can we prevent it? So I started studying and I did physical therapy. And then I realized, wait, none of this matters. Is The stuff between our heads is in, or in the wrong place. So I started looking into the neuroscience and the mindset and all that stuff. Mm. And then I looked deeper into that and I started understanding why uh, there's something deeper that's called brain set and it's understanding the different brains and how does each one of those operate so that I can achieve mindset so that then I can perform so that then I can do all this other stuff without having to feel motivated, but really coming from a place of inspiration. Okay, great. So now I'm like, wait, this is what I was put on this earth to do. This is what I was put on this earth to be able to serve people to Mm. optimize the way they show up in their day. Mm -hmm. And then that got extended even further when I started working with other men like myself, that it was even that much more hyper-focused. And I was like, oh, wait, now there's something greater than even just personal performance. It's how does that impact? How's the trickle effect? How does the legacy spill over onto the people that matter most in our life? Hmm. Man, I'm, I have to write more of this down. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is I recorded, love it. right? <laughs> I know, I know. I, I love everything you're saying. I mean, I, I couldn't agree with it more. Like, it, it's lo- looking back, like, I, I have so much to learn. Like, I, I don't, and that's again why I love this podcast is because, like, you, you learn so much from different people. And what you just said about you figured out what you didn't want to do. Like that, I almost did the same thing, but I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And we both ended up with the same result. You know, we both, I tried right. something. I was like, eh, yeah, I could be okay at it or good at it, but I don't like it. I don't like right. administrative things are not my thing, not my favorite thing. Um, okay. Sales. Like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm decent at it. I can talk to people. I like the interaction with people, but I wasn't a gifted at it. I didn't like that dynamic. Right. And then, but then I found out, oh, okay, creativity, like making stuff. Like I always love doing that and, and discovering that. So we both figured out and, and have this experience under my belt that benefited me. Like my, I believe my sales experience is uh, benefiting me from my podcasting, my confidence, my, the way I talk. Um, everything came from those uh, experiences. And if I didn't go through it, I may not be here today. And so it's all plays into, you know, what you have to offer. And so I love what you just said. And, and that's why I was asking that question, what your thoughts are, because that's the question I get a lot. It's like, how did you, within like a couple of years, you went from, I, I known you as a sales guy. Now you're the content creator guy. You know, how did that happen? Like, what did you do? And so I love what you said about try to figure out what you're, what you don't want, the garbage, the, uh, the foreman, the hard labor. Um, and I don't like that either. So (laughs) (laughs) either of those, (laughs) right. Sometimes you already know what it is. 
sometimes you already know what it is, but you don't have the courage to pursue it yet, right? So if you find that you know what it is, okay, great. Maybe, and again, this is where understanding the rationale and mm -hmm. being okay with it, like there's a lot of people that say, hey, burn all the bridges and go for it right away. Uh, if you're working at a nine to five, quit your job and go do what you're passionate about. Okay, wait, maybe if you're single, but if you got to pay bills and you're supporting a family and kids, is that the best thing? And then your personality. Mm -hmm. Are you the type of person that thrives on being pushed to the edge? Some people break down and that's okay. So don't burn all your bridges mm -hmm. right from the beginning because all it's going to send you is to reptile brain. Mm -hmm. And then now you, you can't operate because you're drowning. Mm -hmm. right? I'll give you another example. If you're drowning in the water, is that the time for me sitting on a boat dry, not drowning, to try to teach you how to swim? Oh, just please no. <laughs> right. What needs to happen? I throw yeah. you the, the life preserver, grab the life preserver, bring you in, make sure you're safe. Mm -hmm. Now we can have a conversation. Not that day because you're probably shaking up. You almost died. Mm -hmm. Probably not the day to have it right there. Mm -hmm. So we say, hey, you know that you like being around water. You know that you like the water. How about we learn how to swim? Mm hmm We'll start where shallow, where you can, where you can be. And we'll just practice going underwater a little bit at a time, mm -hmm. just so you feel confident going underwater and being completely immersed. You think you can do that? Oh, that I can do. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to throw you in the middle of the ocean the first day because you're going you're gonna to freak out. Yeah. Right? So we take the baby steps, but we have to get you to safety before, before we start teaching you that process because you're not going to learn and absorb something when you're surviving. That's not when you're learning something. Yeah. Right. That advice, like I was lucky because I was in that state where, you know, when I started, I didn't have that much responsibility. I had, uh, you know, my rent was very low, um, didn't have a, no mortgage payment, no nothing big like that. So I could take a bigger risk. So I did take that advice and just did it. And, and I did it within, it was a hard, it was only six months where I was like kind of stressed about, you know, where money's going to come in, uh, financial means, but it, that was my kind of motivator. I was like, I, I want to make this work. I want to make this happen. And that works for me. But what works for me may not work right. for you or the next, right. person, the next person. It's not black and white. It's gray. And it depends, like you said, if you're single, all these factors, single age, experience, knowledge. And that's what I just try to tell people like, people who are losing their jobs and, 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 and um, who are okay to take risk. Um, for like my, my younger sister, she, she unfortunately got laid off and, but she's lucky she gets to live at home and um, not rent free, but pretty inexpensive and, and gets to, um, you know, have food on the table and those things are taken care of. And I'm trying to help her and understand like, this is a good time for you to figure out your vision, figure out mm. when the world is slowing down, Right. And you have that moment to take a breath and, and think and, and get clarity. Like you said, this is the time because I find life is moves so fast, so quick. Like if you're not on it, sometimes you feel like you miss the opportunity. Right. But now, at least in my opinion, this is the opportunity if you can't. Right. And I get it. Some people have a mortgage, have three kids, have a wife and have all these responsibilities and you don't have the luxury right. of doing that. And so the advice is different and tailored differently. So I, 
I love what you said. Um, maybe my last question is we're coming up on to the hour mark. I want to, want to respect your time. If you, if you have time. Yeah. Um, is, so we talked a lot about, again, what can people do during this time to figure out their vision, figure out, um, what they want to do. And, and the advice is not black and white. It just, uh, it just depends. Right. What are some of the maybe resources? Like if I got laid off and I'm stuck and I need to figure out what's next in the game, where, where would you say in today's day and age, would you say, um, you know, find someone to follow and, and learn from them? Would you say like, uh, have, like you said, deep meditation and write down all the details of everything you don't like? Is there any steps you would, I guess, recommend them to take in order to discover and their vision, uh, what drives them and how to take action? Um, if you find yourself just because of, of the, the time that we find ourselves in now with this global pandemic and, you know, uh, there are lots of people being laid off. So let's say you're one of those people that got laid off. Uh, if you're a person that wasn't doing what you felt like you were supposed to be doing, this could be an opportunity for you to revisit what it is that perhaps you you perhaps want to do. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to, to happen, but at the very least you can now, you have a little bit of space to mm -hmm. think about it. That's one. Now, understand, if you got bills, you got responsibilities, you need to find something that will help cover and get you moving in that direction. Mm -hmm. I I... For a long time, for a long time, I used to be of the thought where like, hey, go after your passion and do it. I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of an extreme guy uh, in some of the ways that I do things because they're for me. This is the way they work. Like when I was doing my, when I, when I was writing my book, <laughs> uh, I had kept pushing off the book for a while to finish writing it. And I was reading this book called Resisting Happiness and on page three the author who's written, I don't know how many different books. Uh, he says, uh, people come to me all the time and say, I would like for you to publish my book because he has a publishing company as well. And he goes, okay, great. Finish writing the script and then bring it to me. He goes, and I never hear back from them again. And I remember reading this is page three in that book. And I put the book down. And I said, I have to do something different because I'm not going to be one of those people. It's not that I was going to have him publish it. Yeah, yeah. So I took out $100 in my wallet. I had five 20s. I put it out. I took a picture. And I posted it on Facebook. I said, I need your help. I said, I'm going to give $100 to everyone that comments below if by, uh, it was like 10 days from that post, I don't have my first draft into my editor. Mm. And by the end of the day, there were so many comments. Most of the times it was just people saying, hey, I don't need your money. I, I know you can do there was it, was it was more support than anything. Yeah. But if I added up the tally of all the comments in there, I was in the, <laughs> I, I was in the hole for $9,000. Okay. So you created accountability. You don't want to be out of the hole for $9,000. Right. That's right. Fun. That's, that's really well, fun. I knew what I was getting into because I know the way I operate. 
but my wife wasn't happy about it. My dad wasn't happy about it. My, yeah. my family was like, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Yeah. And by the way, in that 10 day span, uh, it was in the middle of our family vacation. So <laughs> I, and I didn't even notice. Yeah. So I, I didn't take away from the family. What I would do is I wake up super early. Mm-hmm. I would write. And then when everybody would go to sleep, I would write some more. Mm-hmm. And then I got it done in the mountains. Uh, and I had to drive down into the city because we were in a place with no reception uh, to, to send it to the editor. And I did it the day before. And I wow. sent it, you know, I sent it there. I got it done. I didn't have to pay anybody, which is great. <laughs> I share that because you need to know the way you operate mm-hmm. and be okay with it. Um, I, I, was, I was alluding to a lot of times people are like, oh, go follow your passion. Yeah. What I found is you're going to do yourself a disservice is if you're struggling to eat and you're just trying to change your passion, what happens is oftentimes you start diluting it and start, um, what's the word? You start accepting less than really what you, what you really want. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you're creating this and what you really want is to create this, this masterpiece, you'll settle for something way diluted. And what that starts doing is that it now doesn't project your real self to the world. And now it's a diluted version of yourself. You're better off. Find something that's going to pay the bills. Yeah. And then kind of like how you're doing this on the side, this, this podcast, I have this covered. Let me do this with the time that I have build it up organically. So I don't, I never find myself diluting what I really love. Mm -hmm. Um, my recommendation, if you find yourself in this spot, find a way to stop the bleeding real quick, find something that you, number one, that you can get, and number two, that, that will stop the bleeding. Uh, make sure you can kind of pay the bills. But don't forget about the thing mm-hmm. that you really want. Mm-hmm. Don't forget about that because there's nothing wrong with doing something you dislike. Mm-hmm. There is something sad about staying there and Mm -hmm. never transitioning Mm -hmm. you can do it for five years even 10 years but with an intention and a and a plan to shift out of it yeah does that make sense 100 percent. and like comes back to how you work for me creating the accountability was what made me uh, be more disciplined and that was the advice given to me um, that um, he said that accountability is the laziness vaccine. I thought that was clever. But, uh, <laughs> it, but it does. It resonate with me because I wanted so many things. I wanted this idea of success, but never was driven enough to do it. And having that accountability, I did something similar to you. I posted on, online to tell everyone I accepted this creative challenge where I was going to create video every single day. And if you're in the uh, video editing world, you know how much time that takes. Uh, it's very difficult. It took, uh, same thing, woke up an hour earlier so I could edit videos that morning and then um, in, on my lunch breaks and then after work. And it was a month and it was crazy. I, I've never worked so hard in my life, I think. But it was the coolest experience to your point of creating that, you know, that $100 and post, like, I got to do this. And I'm similar um, like you, I'm like, okay, I wanted this done. I'm going to get it done, you know? 
Um, but you're right. It's, it's so about understanding, I guess it's self-awareness, understanding who you are and how you work. You know, are you a family? Do you have a family? Okay. So this is what you need to take. You need to take the hour when your kids go to bed and focus on your passion and then your nine to five on providing for your family. And then if you're single and you, you have the opportunity to do that and you can take that risk, why, why not go for it? Right. If you can. And it's all dependent, right? And so if you're and if you're a creative, if you're a creative like uh, writing, ver- video, uh, pictures, you know anything in the creative space, one of the questions that I have is, are you creating? <laughs> like I talk to so many people, and like, oh yeah, I'm a writer, or I'm, I I I love uh, art and stuff like that. Okay, when was the last thing that you did? Oh, like a few months ago. You need to be doing that like every day. Mm-hmm. something every single day. I'll give you an example. My son is 11 years old and uh, we've created a plan for him to be consistent. And he decided what were the things he wanted to be consistent with. One of them is origami. He really loves origami mm-hmm. and he's somewhere now like probably like 120, 130 days straight without missing a day of creating wow. a piece of origami. What Damn. was fascinating was the first, I think it was like the first, I think it was like the first like 60 or 70 days, he would just kind of follow and start doing the origami that was in, he would just look at a book, he would look at a video and he would do that. Something happened around day 80 that he started designing his own origami. He had created enough understanding and manipulation that now he started creating his own designs. And because he had understood the dynamic of it because Mm -hmm. of his consistency every day, Mm -hmm. he now started saying, wait, I can take components of this components of that components of that to now start designing and creating this image. Like he, Mm -hmm. one of the ones he's working on is a a Phoenix and like the bird, a Phoenix. My God. And at first he did one that was kind of like just wings and a tail. Then he decided that he wanted to make one with talons and so forth within the thing. This is, I don't know if you're familiar with origami, but it's just one piece of paper. There's no cuts. There's no gluing. I can imagine. <laughs> I'm wondering how the heck he's doing that. Like, right. uh, so he's 11. Yeah. So he starts understanding how to manipulate it, but that didn't happen. He, he was interested in it before, mm-hmm. but he was never doing that before. Mm-hmm. But after like 60 or 70 days of consistently doing that, mm-hmm. there's something that happened that now would allow him a deeper understanding to start creating. So mm-hmm. if you're a creative, specifically if you're a creative, find ways to create every single day, mm-hmm. every single day, even if it's a little, make it something that's doable. Like for, for him, it was originally, it was do uh, an origami design every day. But what started happening is that some of them were really in depth. And it could take an entire day. So it wasn't feasible. Mm-hmm. So then we had to break it down as like, okay, at least 10 steps need to be completed every single day. Mm-hmm. So some days he completes an entire thing. Some days there are pieces mm-hmm. of one, right? So, so he's improving every day. Right. And you're, you're working on it. I, I, I started doing that right now with some drawing. I don't know why, but I chose a wolf. So I decided that I'm going to draw a wolf every day for a year. I'm on day 66 today. And the first month, I was like, 
all over the place. Like this last month, it was like my hands knew the anatomy a lot better. I can mm. start manipulating it a little bit more. It's not perfect. Anybody who's a real artist will look at it and be like, ah, that's pretty sucky. But <laughs> I have noticed my progression mm -hmm. and I'm excited to, to look forward towards it because mm. now I feel like I'm having more control as a goal. So if you're a creative, create every single day, even something small, even something mm. small. I love that. Armando, thank you so much. This was such a, a cool, interesting conversation. I, I know I learned a lot from talking to you and I appreciate you giving me your time. Um, is there any final thoughts you have you want to say before we kind of sign off and, and, uh, and maybe at the end of it, let people know where they can find you? Sure. Uh, stay curious. I would say that's one thing. If you're curious about life, about possibility, there's nothing that'll stop you because there's always something else to, to look around. There's another corner to peek your head around, another thing to look under just to kind of explore. Mm -hmm. If you can maintain that childlike curiosity, uh, you, can, you can go quite far. Uh, as far as where to find me, if you're interested in taking a look at the book, go to LegacyCodeBook.com. If you're somebody who's been suffering with chronic pain for more than a year, you've seen other therapists or health professionals and you still have pain and you want to eliminate it, I would say go to cruise, C-R-U-Z, country.com. And on there, we have a presentation that walks you through the six components that create pain and optimize health. And it's something free for you to kind of go through, start getting educated on so you have a better understanding of how to uh, take charge of your life again. Awesome. I'll put all of Armando's uh, contact information I just said in the description as well so you can get those links right away. Armando, thank you so much. This is the Making It Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Kyler Miles. And thank you. And we are signing off. 